0: Hello, and welcome to The Double Shadow, a podcast exploring the weird fiction of 20th... Ugh. Let me redo that.
1: Hello, and welcome to... 42 times <laughs> you've done this intro, Tim. <laughs> All
0: right, 43. Here we go.
1: Hello, Actually, this is 42. F- ugh,
0: 44. Okay. Okay. <laughs>
2: I have called up in all my inch
0: years of inch,
1: sorcery no terror, terror, moon, or devil. Really ominous and gibbous and, gibbous. and, and the
0: thing was
2: a streaming the ooze
1: of, of charnel corpses that he dug with his hands from the unconsecrated graves is verily known by few there were people, the but it is many priests less and women it is told he picked up as they fled and pulled limb from limb as a child might quarter an insect
0: the double, the double shadow. shadow a clark Ashton smith podcast Hello, and welcome to The Double Shadow, a podcast exploring the weird fiction of 20th century writer Clark Ashton Smith. I'm Tim. I'm Phil. And I'm Ruth. And this week, we'll be covering The Maze of the Enchanter. Hurrah. Welcome back, guys. Yeah, now we're
1: back. Yeah. After the intro, Woo! now it's like I'm through yeah. the door. Now <laughs> yeah, right?
2: <laughs> How do you come through the door, Phil? Uh, I don't
1: even <laughs> I don't know.
0: It's high uh, up. It's high up on the wall behind a velvet painting. <laughs> you have to move the velvet painting
1: and open it a up. A blacklight poster. Yep. Um
2: <laughs> I'm just so glad that we're back. Yeah. Hey, I got a new apartment and I got a new job. Oh, did and yep. Yeah. So it's been it's been a busy year. And I got a new master's degree.
1: When did we record last? When did we do Volthumb? Uh, it was a while
0: ago. Yeah, like around Ruth mentions Captain America Winter Soldier <laughs> in it. So, oh god. Summer 2014. But it was after Roman was born, right? Uh, I don't.
2: Oh, it might have been.
0: Oh, I think.
2: Oh, no, Roman was about to be born. Yes. Wasn't he? Yeah,
0: I think we recorded we before. trying to schedule. Yeah.
3: Uh-huh. And
2: being, again, okay, then we were going to record, and then you were like, guys, guess
0: what?
1: Uh-huh. No
3: recording. She's having a baby.
0: baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, wow, that was a long time ago then. I still yeah. haven't seen yeah. Winter Soldier, but I have seen Roman.
0: <laughs> I've well, seen Winter good. Soldier, but I haven't seen Roman
1: yeah i'm in that boat
2: too only the yeah. pictures yeah. but i did like winter soldier still a good movie have the dvd <laughs> now <laughs> so i guess that's what that's the update on winter
0: soldier yeah great um, picking up where we left i think
2: what else has been yeah what else has been going on in the last year Oh yeah, I learned about this cool thing from NPR called Vocal Fry that apparently women get accused of having, so I'm going to try Whoa. to make sure to have plenty of that on this episode. What is See, the Vocal that Fry? When I said episode, it's when I get like a little bit growly because my voice is kind of deeper oh. and I start talking more like this and apparently it makes people want to, well actually it's really hard to do when you're not trying to do it, uh-huh. but apparently it makes people want to like throw themselves out of buildings and write really angry emails to editors and guys do it too and This American Life just had a whole thing on it. That's a awesome. cool podcasting tonight.
0: Vocal Fry.
2: Yeah, I was listening to Ken and Robin talk about stuff and Ken definitely has vocal fry. I'm that's not just the only podcast. I'm just starting a survey now yeah. where I do surveys of of influential men in in weird fiction and <laughs> RPGs and podcasts that have vocal fry.
1: It's like your own quest to find footage of the reptile people on the news. It's so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen have you seen those youtube videos tim you must have seen this no videos, right the, no. the secret service guy no there's just i don't know i don't i just stumble on them every once in a while <laughs> like you do and like there will just you be do. some crazy person who's like recording fox news and then they like zoom way in oh, yeah a particular pundit's face, uh-huh. or whatever, a piece of footage, and they're like, "Look there! You can see, like, for a minute, that his eyes go reptilian." <laughs> I'm telling you, look yeah. it up. It's. I'm going. I mean, to. reptiles become pertinent in the second episode about Zucchia, yes. so maybe we can we can look it up then. They
2: do. Are pterodactyls actually reptiles? I mean, spoiler alert, but are does pterodactyls he... actually reptiles? Doesn't he call I mean, them in, reptiles in 19?
0: 19... He does call them reptiles,
1: but I don't know if Phil. Pterodactyls we're, we're
2: dealing are. with a 1930s understanding of. of...
1: Biology. All I know is if it in a story... Give him a break. If in... Are vampires flowers?
0: Oh Well, let's not skip uh, ahead. Yes. Let's Let's <laughs> focus. Focus, kids. The Maze of the
2: All Enchanter.
1: Right. <laughs> All right. Okay. I should not bang I, on this table. I'll do oh. it. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: Uh, well, I was just going to say that for this version of Maze of the Enchanter, I am using the original, but I should say that after you do the intro. So you do the intro now. Well, I was just going <laughs>
1: to say that it was first published in The Double Shadow and other fantasies in 1933 and then later republished in in the pages of a little magazine called Weird Tales.
2: And I have in front of me one of the original Maze of the Enchanters, as signed by one Clark Ashton Smith himself, with the compliments of Clark Ashton Smith, so I'm pretending he wrote it for me.
3: (laughs) (laughs) With no other light than that of the four diminutive moons of Zekarth, each in a different phase but all decrescent, Tiglari had crossed the bottomless swamp of Zorm wherein no reptile dwelt and no dragon descended, but where the pitch-black ooze was alive with continual heavings and writhings. He had carefully avoided the high cause of white corundum that spanned the fen, and had threaded his way with infinite peril from isle to sedgy isle that shuddered gelatinously beneath him. When he reached the solid shore and the shelter of the palm-tall rushes, He was equally careful to avoid the pale, porphyry stairs that wound heavenward through dizzy, nader-cleaving chasms and along glassy scarps to the ever-mysterious and terrible house of Maldweb. The cosy and the stairs were guarded by those he did not wish to meet. The silent, colossal, iron servitors of Maldweb, whose arms ended in long crescent blades of tempered steel which were raised in implacable scything against any who came thither without their master's permission.
1: Servitor. Before we talk about Sakarp. Yeah. Servitor mm-hmm. is a great word. I know. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> um, With vigor. And so wh-
2: I'm imagining these metal ones as my, my headcanon for this is the, mm-hmm. um, the robots in what is it? Hellboy 2 I guess? The Golden Army. Oh, my headcanon yeah. is True. the Golden Army. So it's a very, um, very Mike Mignola, Hellboy-esque.
0: Right. Yeah, I picture very, here. like, Art Deco. Almost like, heads like castles and scythe arms.
2: I assume that they, they do his bidding and their servitors, too, so they have to have some kind of...
0: Yeah, they probably have one regular um, hand.
2: Dexterous appendages? Yeah, like one regular hand and one sword hand. That's a sword. <laughs> like, How much cooler would it be if your sword hand could be a sword, like... But then I guess it would be awkward some of the time.
1: So, what is the Carve?
2: It's it's one of the planets.
1: Uh,
0: it's it's an it's an alien world. Uh, so it's got. We know that it has three suns. It has four moons, and what else do we know about it? It's ruled by a sorcerer Maldweb. scientist named Maldweb.
2: And what we don't, I don't know if we know in this one, but he has control over certain other um, nearby planets as well. Yes. I think it's a total of four planets and uh, a handful of moons. Also, Tim has vocal fry. So just, I'm adding this onto my list. I would like to announce that Tim muchi of the Double Shadow also has vocal fry. I still
0: and don't know, you know what know. it is. Is it where you, when you're talking, you kind of end in a, like a growly growl? It's that growly thing you just did. Yeah. Okay. I get the, it.
2: <laughs> sorry now now our listeners will never be able to unhear it and they'll yeah. probably be throwing themselves out of windows based on the letters <laughs> NPR PR gets that's really dramatic that's really really dramatic anyway this sto- story is fraught with drama why is he sneaking naked yeah
1: did we say he was naked we, it, the, his his nudity his nudity isn't in the reading but yeah Tiglari our hunter hero uh is in the process of climbing into Maldweb's fortress yes. he's nude and he's oiled and he has an amazing set of adventuring adventuring tools: a poison knife kept in a chimera skin sheath, and this cool climbing tool that's made of like like root or like what do you say like like it's like
0: a makeshift yeah it's like
1: make like a makeshift grap- grappling hook
0: yeah with a like a heavy ball at the end so he can grapple it onto things and climb up. And he's smeared with not just oil, but a uh, like the juice of a a plant that will repel all of the beasts of the jungle
1: he seems like a like a like a pretty sturdy hero if mm-hmm. you were, if you needed a hero right you might think of tiglari
0: yeah totally especially yeah, for not? a
1: jungle adventure
0: <laughs> so why is he trying to sneak into maldweb i mean what has maldweb ever done in his stairs of porphyry and his iron giant servitors
2: well funny you should ask because yeah. Tiglari is not the first person to try killing Maldweb. None of them have ever been seen again. Ever.
1: And in fact, nobody That's... has seen Maldweb, which is an interesting detail as well. Like, his people go into his fortress to try to kill him, uh, but nobody, nobody's even seen him, which is crazy. But they hear him.
0: Oh, boy, do they hear him. Because he—so <laughs> he's—I uh, don't know if it's the amount of time he's ruled, but at least in three decades— He's demanded that the villages of this planet uh, deliver one fair woman to him. And over this time, he's taken 50 women. And the reason that uh, Tiglari is scaling this wall is because Maldweb has gone too far. And he's called for Athle Tigari's love to come to him.
1: Um, before we talk about the other guy who's up there, I want to read this mm-hmm. bit that I pulled about this description of Maldweb, who is called the all-powerful, all-powerful all-dreaded all tyrant who no man had ever seen and from whose abode no woman came back, who spoke with an iron voice that was audible at will in the far cities or the utmost jungles, who punished the rebellious and the disobedient with a doom of falling fire that was swifter than the Thunderstone, whatever that is. He was the overlord of kings, the <laughs> suceron of three suns and all their moons and planets. The overlord of kings. <laughs> <laughs> he's that's <awesome>. amazing.
2: <laughs> he feels like what my Dragon Age mage wants to be. <laughs> like I, I, just want this kind of power.
0: Who is the? Um, who's the? Oh, Mal Malgray? Is that was that his name? Malagre, Yeah. Oh Malgray, yes. Yeah. That's, that's he's the like, other person.
1: He's like if Malgrey gave a shit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like if Malagry leveled up,
1: yeah, I think level of bunch. i mean it's 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 what I love about Malweb as a character is it's not like it's it's such a um sort of looking for? uh an increase of power, like yeah. he doesn't just rule yes. a kingdom, he doesn't just rule a planet, he basically rules nope. an entire solar system, <laughs> which is pretty cool. I can't really think of many many other fictitious characters who have that as their domain in a fantasy story, which is basically what this is, you know. So let's,
0: let's move forward and find out more about this palace of Maldweb. This house. He keeps calling it a house.
2: Oh, oh I just found a handwritten correction by Clark Athens-Smith. Oh, heard. what did he correct? Don't mind me. It's, um, <laughs> I can't actually tell. because <laughs> He didn't have the best handwriting, you guys. Uh,
0: what part um, is it?
2: It's even the eerie radiance brightened later on. Um, I just flipped a page. Mm, okay. Hang on. So keep that know. in your heads. Maze of the Enchanter, on, back online. <laughs>
1: um, so Tiglari isn't uh, the only person who's come after Athlete because she was Mm-mm. quite the beauty. And it's not like Tiglari and her were engaged or even going steady. It's like no. he was he was a suitor. Um, so Tiglari believes uh, that a warrior named Mok'air uh, has probably um, preceded him up into uh the house of mob yeah
0: because he sees a, another rope
1: yeah yeah so what is like tim yeah talk to me about how you envision the physical reality of mob webs because like, so there's a pretty like hefty sturdy description of it it's like one well just paint a picture for me tim
0: yeah so uh to he he climbs he scales this um he scales this wall and there's all of these strange alien plants that have like some of them have like metallic leaves so picture he's gotta kind of sneak around those and get himself up because he's trying to avoid the stairs because that's where the uh iron giants are and then he he finds the opening to maldweb's house his palace and the door is open and he enters in and it's opulent there's um oh wait they mentioned the maze beforehand right
1: yeah that's what that's uh, like yeah. what i'm curious about is like is, it's like there's a maze it feels like the maze is on a specific side of the of
0: yes the, um, yeah house. so as he's as he's but it feels like he can't go up,
2: into it without going through the maze
0: right because exactly. there's one side that is more dangerous than the others i think the north side is less dangerous than the south and west so he climbs up the north and gets into, um, Maldob's house and he explores and it's, there's strange perfumes and, uh, as he's walking into it, the, the, the brat braziers light up, um, and he sees strange tapestries where there's, uh, purple men and azure women on a field of bright blood. It's really, <laughs> really weird and cool. And then he, uh,
1: the uh perfume at one point is described as a subtle reek as of censors in hidden alcoves of love <laughs> which just sounds kind of gross to me it uh, does yeah you know
0: yeah it's like, a total like
1: perfume and a, body musk
0: it's a sketchy place yeah. but he keeps he, he i
2: think you're not used to the, the smell of men's perfume and yeah
1: body that's musk. true <laughs> like i think a, you're a good cologne
2: right. and the and the smell of the right man
1: is it the subtle? Would you reek? describe that as a subtle reek? Is it like the hidden <laughs> alcoves of love?
2: It is like hidden alcoves of love. <laughs>
3: <laughs> at the far end of the hall, Tiglari saw a rift of flaming light in a somber double eris. Parting the eris very softly, he peered into a huge, brightly illumined chamber that seemed, at first sight, to be the harem of Maldweb peopled with all the girls that the enchanter had summoned to his mountain dwelling over a course of decades. In fact, it seemed that there were many hundreds leaning or recumbent on ornate couches, or standing in attitudes of languor or terror. Tiglari discerned in the throng the women of Oumuzaen, whose flesh is whiter than desert salt, the slim girls of Uthmai, who are molded from breathing, palpitating jet, the queenly amber girls of Equatorial Zala, and the small women of Illa, who have the tones of newly greening bronze. But among them all, he could not find the lily beauty of Affle.
2: Yeah, that's because Affle is his favorite. Yeah. His yeah. Toy. Which actually, in the next thing, we'll see We'll see her as his favorite, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Or else he just gets bored easily.
0: Oh, but she's also still, she's not there yet. Yeah, she we'll
1: hasn't been frozen that. yet. We'll get that by the end. Spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah. Uh, this just struck me as a very Clark Ashton Smithian relationship with women passage. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like it. I mean, ultimately, I think the story is a is a sort of notably cynical on the topic of both genders. But uh, uh-huh. I like this yeah, totally. sort of like poetic uh, freezing yeah. of of women, and that there, and that he bothers to sort of go in and delineate the different, I guess, races, races yeah. of of uh, yeah, characters. <laughs>
0: That was kind of awesome. He's so 60s. Clark Ashton Smith is like <laughs> the voice of the 60s. There's like this. He totally
1: is. This is like, like Captain Kirk's slave women. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. So he sees all these women and he, they're not moving. So he's like, okay, there's something going on here. So w- since he's a hunter, he's, I guess he's clever. And he realizes that there must be some kind of like petrification gas or something in there. So he holds his breath. And he runs across the chamber to the next room. So he he made his perception check for that room. What does he find in the next Except one? I'm
2: not sure that it was a, a, a proper perception. check. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, this that's right. Like, he failed it. Yeah. <laughs>
2: like I once was running trail of Cthulhu and my, my people, they got so afraid that they were being chased by the like one off, scare them a little bit bad guys mm-hmm. that they yeah. thought were the point of the story. I was like, okay, note to self, next time I run it, make sure that like these are really wrapped up as a one-off.
0: So what happens next? What does he see? He finds another room.
2: Well, he says mob dweb, which the face of a man was a pale mask of mystery lying yeah. amid am- ambiguous shadows. And that yeah. I, I kind of love that description because it almost sounds king and yellowish to me.
0: Oh, that's true. Yeah. You
2: got your your pallid mask thing going on. And he's just reclining there as if weary or asleep.
1: Yeah. Oh, there's that there's that great detail of the couch too, that that it's mm-hmm. a couch of nocturnal purples with a valence of silver birds that fought against golden snakes. Which strikes me as just a great like mythological detail that goes nowhere, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's like true. what are those what is what is the story behind that exactly? <laughs> um the
0: story from Maldweb's
1: past. Yeah. I think in the in the sequel story, those the um the azure men on fields of blood thing is noted mm. as being like a depiction of his rise to power or something. Oh, really? Uh, I, th- I think I remember, I remember that. We'd have to go that. and yeah. look. Yeah. Okay. But they don't mention, they don't mention the birds and the snakes fighting. Mm. Um, he's, he, it seems at first like Meldleb is maybe frozen just like the women.
0: It's, he's taking a little cat nap. He's on his, his little sleeping couch, taking a cat nap. <laughs> and
2: Taglari is totally going to take advantage oh, of that. Oh heck he's yeah. Like, all right. Heck. am yeah. gonna do this, and um, he's still naked, and
0: uh-huh. I'm
2: just putting that out there for our. <laughs> our, our, our I'm, but he's, I'm getting like this awesome visual, yeah. and then there's just something marring the
0: picture <laughs> because Hilarious he's naked stuff. and he's wearing a belt so that he can have his dagger in its sheath.
1: <laughs> so he sneaks up on Maldweb, and I know this other little detail here where where Clark Ashton Smith, like it's Tiglari. I think we can talk about the end of the episode. He's a weird. He's a notable character in Clark Ashton Smith in that. He's like a, one of the rare heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Totally. It doesn't turn out well for him. It's like it never turns out well for the heroes. But yeah. there's a great moment here where Tiglari's like, we, he brings us into the mind of the hero, which is interesting. Like Tiglari sees all these signs of Dweb's power and his mm-hmm. dominance, uh, like things he should, I think, logically be afraid of. Um, but then, then the narration says that it all goes away in a red mist when he thinks of Athle mm-hmm. and, and his love for her, which is uh, pretty... I don't know. I just found an evocative way to to think about like Tiglari's bravery, or however you want to call it, yeah, foolishness. Totally. Is maybe a better way to think about yeah. it. So he strikes. Um, yeah. He
0: attacks with his dagger, but then the- turns out that yeah, hits
2: Moldweb's physical defense is like twenty five.
0: <laughs> so yeah. much so that the point of the dagger breaks off. But it's not even him, right? No, it's it's a yeah, it's some kind of weird reflection.
1: Yeah, it's and like then... a, it's like the end of *A Live and Let Die* or something, right? Is that the one with the, with the <laughs> or in, <with> the, it's...
0: <laughs> or Conan the Destroyer when he's fighting that wizard in that room of mirrors?
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> it's just it's the old mirror trick. <laughs> yeah, the right. old one two mirror trick. Yep, Maldub's not have too big for the mirror trick. I don't understand how <laughs> it. Um, I don't really understand the trick as described in the story. Maybe one of our listeners can help me understand how it works or if it is because the first time i read it i was like oh it it's it literally is the old mirror trick like Malbleb is somewhere and it's just a mirror that, that Tiglar didn't <laughs> hanging above him mirror. yeah no i think it's i ceiling.
0: think it's just it's i think, I think it's just, just magic. magic yeah because yeah, then yeah, all of yeah. the all the walls and the curtains sweep away and disappear and he is like they literally recede into nothing and then he's standing in the in the jungle again or in the outside in the garden yeah, he calls yeah, it a fearsome was, I thought
1: thaumaturgy. I he was still in the room because doesn't he have to walk out? Doesn't he get escorted out by the Servitor? Oh,
0: actually, no. It all sweeps away and then he's surrounded by giants, by oiled giants. And then he realizes they're, they're misshapen reflections of himself.
1: Yeah, that's why I thought it yeah. was literally, it was the, it was the, um. Right. Some, some kind weird of spin magic on the, on the mirror. mirror trick. Right. Yeah. Um, and for a moment, he's just like alone there with this like monstrous reflection of himself. Yeah. Which, foreshadowing, by Uh-oh. the way. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and, then, and then Maldweb's just like sort of casually there. Right? He's just like, oh, you're here.
2: Rashly indeed had Tiglari pitted his simple brawn and forest craft against a being of such supernatural power and demoni- demoniac artifice. I, I just really liked that line. Yeah, That's not no reading, right?
1: No, I think the reading is just Maldweb talking.
2: Yeah. That's what um. I feel like that's just a good summary for this story.
1: I'm trying to find where he. Um,
0: I don't. Th- I uh, think he just hears him because he doesn't appear until the very end. He doesn't appear physically until the very end.
1: Oh yeah, he's just a voice. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. And in the Lytton era, a mm-hmm. voice began to speak. A voice that was toneless, deliberate, and disembodied. Faintly contemptuous, a little weary, maybe slightly cruel. <laughs> like, keep, keep the adjectives on. <laughs> get us there. Get us there, however you can. <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's just these beautiful semicolons there.
3: (laughs) What do you seek, Tiglari? said the voice. Do you think to enter with impunity the palace of Montweb? Others, many others, with the same intentions have come before you, but all have paid a certain price for their tomerity. I seek the maiden Othle, said Tiglari. What have you done with her?" The words were strange to him. The very sound was remote, as if another than himself had spoken. Rathay is very beautiful,' replied the voice. "'It is the will of Moldweb "'to make a certain use of her loveliness. "'The use is not one that should concern "'a hunter of wild beasts. (laughs) "'You are unwise, Teglari. Where is Othle? persisted the hunter. Othlae has gone to find her fate in the labyrinth of Muldweb. Not long ago, the warrior Mokair, who had followed her to my palace, went out at my suggestion to pursue his search amid the threadless windings of that never-to-be-exhausted maze. Go now, Tiglari, and seek her also. There are many mysteries in my labyrinth. And among them all, mayhap, there is one which you are destined to solve.
1: Evil laugh,
3: evil laugh, evil laugh.
1: (laughs) And this Uh,
2: is when the servitors come in and start escorting him out. Yeah, and like a secret
1: door opens to the labyrinth. That's the proper pronunciation. (laughs) So, um, yeah, the, if we,
2: the door opens in the mirrored paneled wall, but I feel like these mirrors aren't just mirrors. They're like, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're like uh, threads or not threads, edges of a uh, of some sort of crystal. Like a vocal you know how crystal's edges, like, <laughs> like they, they re- almost refract things magically, which is why you can have these 3D dimensional rooms. Oh, or yeah. these rooms yeah. that lo- mm-hmm. it looks like it's outside there. He wasn't thinking hollow deck, but if, I mean, this is pretty much a hollow deck. But you could almost think of somebody doing it with mirrors set up right and a good deal of magic. Like a good deal of magic. <laughs> like, like, like a Like a bucket? great deal. Like the amount that it would take to rule a solar system's worth of magic. I'm so pretty sure that would be enough magic.
1: More than a bucket.
2: More than a bucket. <laughs> okay.
1: Like a bushel of magic.
2: Yeah. At least a bushel. <laughs> Bushels aren't su- they're surprisingly small.
1: Are they? I had no idea.
2: I had to do some research on how big a bushel was, and I was like, "Oh, I would have thought." It was uh,
1: the the answer to the question of do they have a normal hand is actually answered here. That it's oh, that's right. The right arm of each was handed with a crescent sickle. Oh yeah! Um, so there you, you know. go. Yeah, they serve with their left, and they stick with their right. I guess <laughs> slice with their right. Yeah, I would do the same. It's
2: helpful in the kitchen some days.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Maldewebb could use a servitor.
0: I know, right? Sorry, Tim. That's okay. I'm just trying to get us back on track. <laughs> yeah.
1: So Where my, is the track? There uh, is no track in carve. Well, I will derail a, you, Tim. We're in
0: a freaking labyrinth. <laughs> there is a labyrinth. And Maldweb says, here you go, explore the labyrinth. I'm sure your people are in there. Go forth, scamper, tiny forest creature. So Tagari heads heads into the labyrinth and sees many strange things.
1: Yeah. I mean, many it's a great. it's a things. great – this is like a – like a playing field for Clark Ashton Smith and his his bizarre yeah. imagination. I noted my favorite detail: he sees greenish, bloated hands as of dead men that appear to lift from the changing films of phosphorescence. But there's all kinds of crazy <laughs> in here. Um, excuse my French. Like there's a, a
2: freaky um, p- pool where he sees the drowning face of Atle. Uh-huh. Uh, like and it made me think of the the dead marshes, but you know, before, before Tolkien.
0: And he reaches in, and it's just like. Gross fluid right it's
2: fetid slime yeah. and a swollen nauseous thing that squirms beneath his touch there's ugh. something in there but <laughs> that's, it's
0: ugh. that's so cool i love this labyrinth and there's um yeah. he finds stairs where floral serpents are creeping and uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. we, uh oh, he, i'll just read it by stairs where floral serpents crept and gradients lined with tossing clashing aloes he climbed slowly uh, slowly on so he, like, climbs up, and he can see the labyrinth below him, and it's just vast. Oh, and then he meets uh, – so there are these creatures that dwell in the labyrinth, these ape-like creatures, and he meets one. Um, that's This isn't in the
1: reading, right? No, and no. that's – actually, no. it's a little bit later. It's after he um, – well, we can talk about well, he it He meets, now. like, the yeah. savage otter
2: one. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm
0: talking about. Yeah, so he yeah. – uh, well, he uh, he meets one of the ape-like animals that Maldweb keeps in his maze. A dark, savage creature, sleek and glistening like a wet otter, as if it had bathed in one of the hidden pools. And it it seemed, they always seem to shy away from him and like growl. And he attributes that to the the juice that he covered his
1: body with. His nude body. His
0: nude. Um, juicy he also body. at one
1: point it becomes. <laughs> Tim, is that the track you want? Yes, because you can pick that track. Yeah, that's that's where I'm going with
0: this. <laughs> this is our railroad. <laughs>
1: um, at one point, he also hears these weird voices in the distance, which is another. I mean, they're in the readings later, which is only well, the only reason I'm bringing them up now. Um, he hears these voices that are um, oh, like solemn right. and portentous announcements. Um, the description is they were fraught with mystic finality and with heretic doom. They ceased, and there was no sound other than the hiss and rustle of swaying plants. So I mean it's it the the whole maze is a really uh I think Tim at one point said that it's like how would you describe this story? It's just like it's like a it's like a perfect distillation of Clark Ashton Smithiness. <laughs> so this whole story and in particular this maze full of uh craziness, yeah. strangeness, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's just it it feels the most to me like a a really great dungeon crawl <laughs> like D&D <laughs> mm-hmm. like where nothing really connects Except that it's, you know, like a jungle setting. But there's all of these traps that you get stuck in and you kind of have to be clever. But no matter how clever you are,
1: the dungeon is still smarter than you. And it's a wizard's maze? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It's so
2: cool. Yeah. Um, there's no treasure in it, though. That's the only downside.
1: The only treasure is is uh, horrible, uh, ironic self phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, As it should be. The only other thing I want to point out about the maze is... Um, that in early in the description he talks about how the maze starts out beguiling and bemusing but as he gets deeper into it it grows darker in yes. tone uh-huh. which strikes me as a great like it's a great subtle way of talking about Malabweb's own biography yeah, I think right. it's like you know he when he when he first became a wizard with more than a bushel of magic he was like this is great <laughs> yeah. and then he like as he gets more bored he gets more vicious in his imagination <laughs> so yeah it's awesome and
2: then these well these blossoms, they start to, like, touch him and they lave him, which is a weird word for, like, licking. Yeah. It's, like, it's the kind of word that nowadays only gets used in romances when they're, like, oh, he laved between ugh. her legs with his tongue and you're just, like, ugh. ugh. It's, like, it's, like, yeah.
0: Yeah, so he Stuff. finds these. It's one of those words. He finds these flower. Slouch- well, he finds, like a, like, this black pavement, like an onyx oblong area that's crowded with flowers yeah and then he steps in and they start grabbing him and licking him and covering him fluid yeah
2: uh, and, and he, he well i guess he was tempted through this by seeing her and she looks as though she's beautifully fascinated by something
1: no he's it's, it's weirder than that and more coincidental than that, i think it's like he gets attacked and then he looks up and she's just there uh, yeah which is even weirder like yeah across the, the thing also notable his legs and they
2: keep licking him
1: they keep looking at him and his legs start to change into beast legs, yeah. like he starts to get like hairy uh, beast legs, like the beast that he's seen. Yep. Um.
3: Before Offlay, in the claws of an immense marble lizard that reared above the dais, a great circular mirror of steely metal was held upright, with a monster's head hidden from view behind it. Offlay, as if fascinated by some celestial vision, was peering into the steely disc. She presented her wide-eyed profile to Teglari, and the mirror itself was seen obliquely, with the foreshortened body of the lizard reaching away at a sharp angle and mingling obscenely with a half-reptilian maze. Midway between the onyx pavement and the ellipse of pale stone, a row of six slender brazen columns topped with graven heads like demonic termini, rose at broad intervals and faced alternately the hunter and the girl. Teglari would have called out to Athlae, but at that moment she took a single step toward the mirror, as if drawn by something that she saw in its depths, and the dull disc seemed to brighten with some internal incandescent flame. The eyes of the hunter were temporarily blinded by the spiky rays that leapt forth from it for an instant, enveloping and transfixing the maiden. When the dimness cleared away in swirling blots of sultry color, he saw that Othle, in a pose of statuesque rigidity, was still regarding the mirror with startled eyes. She had not moved. The wonder was frozen on her face, and it came to Teglari that she was like the women who slept in enchanted slumber in the palace of Maltweb. Even as this thought occurred to him, he heard the ringing chorus of metallic voices that seemed to emanate from the graven demon heads upon the columns. The maiden Athle, announced the voices in solemn and portentous tones, has beheld herself in the mirror of eternity, and has passed forever beyond the changes and corruptions of time.
1: It's so weird that there are, like, announcers, like, yeah. sports announcers.
0: And they just, they just <laughs> pop up whenever somebody makes one of these bad choices
1: <laughs> and announces it. And announce it to whom, I wonder? Is it I, so Web knows what's happened? Probably. Like... <laughs>
2: He seems to be releasing them in here, and then they find the mirror.
1: This is what I love, is that that implies that at some moment, Maltweb (laughs) was like, oh, balls. This maze is so big. I'm (laughs) never going to know what happens to these people I send in here. I better come up with some functional solution to (laughs) this problem. (laughs) So he comes up with these notifications, whatever the hell they are. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. notification system. Uh, oh balls! By the way, is how every intergalactic <laughs> enchanter exclaims when they've done something foolish. Every
0: space wizard.
1: <laughs> oh, I definitely
2: balls. heard that in Stephen Fry's voice, though. <laughs> oh balls!
1: <laughs> yeah. So then Tiglari is basically consumed by the flowers, but only up to his neck. Yeah. Um, and the pillars then—actually, <laughs> no—it it happens in this order. He gets swallowed up to his neck. Dweb in the flesh, having heard his announcer bots, arrives on the scene and utters a word. We don't know what the word is. Um, and the flowers pull back from Tiglari, like leaving his uh-huh. face a human face. And then the pillars yeah. speak. <laughs> and they. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so good. It's so weird. The hunter Tiglari has been laved in the nectar of the blossoms of primordial life and has become in all ways from the neck downward even as the beast that he hunted. <laughs> That's so like...
2: again cool. with laving.
1: <laughs> but I love that they like they they don't just observe, they observe mm-hmm. in nuance,
2: yeah. right? No, they <laughs> know the <laughs> specifics of what just
0: happened.
1: <laughs> Look,
2: this uh. is an ironic punishment for you. <laughs> Except I mean, I don't know if it was everybody that came a hunter or was it just especially ironic for him? I think
1: no, just for him. She, he, It's especially ironic for him, but if he says, I think, in this final reading, he explains why he, like, that he's turned the men into beasts because men are beasts underneath their whatever, however he phrases it. Yeah. Um, But for, you know, for whatever reason, he's decided that that, uh, Tiglari needs a particularly ironic, uh, maybe it's because Tiglari got the closest. Maybe Tiglari was the best. Oh, maybe. Could be.
2: And well, Atlay we learn later is the last woman that he takes, yeah, or do we learn it do we even does he say it in this one? No, I know we he, learn it later, but no
1: it's the it's the opening of this next one.
0: It could be right. he was just because it's it seems like he's gotten bored. It could be he's just like, let's see what happens if I do this because he kind of gives him a chance that he hasn't given anybody else. so maybe he's like, maybe you're mm-hmm. the guy who actually gets to kill me <laughs> one day
1: the the image of tiglari with a human head and a beast body also strikes me as very like like 60s monster in Comics. some sense yeah yeah oh yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so the last I, I don't know if i have anything else to say until we get to the last reading which is yeah. quite long but it's basically at this point the story completely jumps perspectives and suddenly we're with Maud Webb instead yeah. of with tiglari
3: Dweb, attended by his metal slaves, went over to the figure of Othle, which still regarded the steely mirror with astonished eyes. "Monglut," he said, addressing by name the nearer of the two automatons that followed at his heels. It has been my caprice to eternalize the frail beauty of women. Off like the others whom I have summoned to the mountain, and have sent out to explore the ingenious maze, has looked upon that mirror whose sudden radiance turns the flesh to a stone that is fairer than marble and no less eternal. Also, it has been my whim to turn men into beasts, with the copious fluid of certain artificial flowers, so that their Outer semblance should conform strictly to their inner nature. Is it not well, Long Lut, that I should have done these things? Am I not Maldweb, in whom all knowledge and all power reside? Yes, master, echoed the automaton in an iron voice. You are Maldweb, the all-wise, the all-powerful, and it is well that you should have done these things. However continued Moldweb, the repetition of even the most remarkable pharmaturgies can grow monotonous after a certain number of times. I do not think that I shall deal again in this fashion with any woman, nor deal thus with any man. Is it not well, Mong Lut, that I should vary my sorceries in future? Am I not Moldweb the all resourceful? Indeed, you are Maldweb," agreed the automaton, and it would be well for you to diversify your enchantments. Maldweb, in his manner, was not ill-pleased with the answers that the automaton had given. He cared little for Converse, other than the iron echoing of his metal servitors, who assented always to all that he said and who spared him the tedium of arguments. And it may have been that there were times when he worried a little even of this and preferred the silence of the petrified women or the muteness of the beasts that could no longer call themselves men.
1: Ah, it's the best. It's just the best. It's so good. Can we, let's, I, maybe let's just start by talking about how his servitors can't even, they can't even respond to him, right? They don't even, they just, yeah. they just echo back to him, yeah. what he just said. Uh-huh. And I love that arguments are <laughs> tedious, and I yeah. assume
0: because he's always right, so why bother arguing when you when what you say is always the right thing?
2: When you rule an entire solar system, people are always going to be trying to argue yeah. with you. Uh-huh. Like, there's a bunch of planets, there's some moons, at least some of which are colonized.
1: Yeah, I like I like Meldweb because he's like he, he's like a cynical he's kind of like a cynical god almost. Like he thinks all women are vain and fragile. He thinks all men are beasts, and he won't listen to anybody who tells him otherwise yeah no he's got no interest
0: in <laughs> anybody trying to change his mind
1: well we should talk about this at the next episode but i wish that there are more Mal love stories because he's a real he's a real character yeah <laughs> i just i just i mean i would reiterate how much it is a like a pure hot slice of clark ashton smith if clark ashton smith were a pizza <laughs> it, story has ever or, been it has everything it's yeah. got all the toppings
0: yeah and it's i love like i would have loved to have seen more maldweb stories but i would also have loved to have seen stories of um tiglari, tiglari. in the maze yeah. like making his way with an ape body in his own head <laughs> i also feel like in a weird way maldweb <laughs> maldweb grew up a little too and in not inflicting the same punishment <laughs> on on everybody
1: yeah i mean he learns a lesson yeah he does
2: so, t- uh, Phil, what were you, you were going to say about the punishments and such?
1: Oh, just that I, I, uh, I like that he is uh, even-handed in his cynical uh, views on both men and women. Uh, and that the story is, is cynical about Malbueb himself, in that he, <laughs> that he won't listen to it. He has made robots to just agree with him. I think it's a very, uh, it's a fitting, ridiculous ending um, to the story. That, that's basically it like I, I don't know i don't know that i would look to a figure like moldweb to to uh to be a uh a beacon of forward-thinking feminist thought you know <laughs> he's like a, yeah he's like an evil universe wizard yeah
2: yeah i know really you're kidnapping women and turning them into statues is there that any is... more symbolic for... i just want to do some sort of literary dissection where it's like so his idea is to take the woman and try to show her her true self. And at that moment, yeah. she's like captured in time, forever, or possibly. This man is so threatened by women and women's thoughts that he must turn them into voiceless creatures.
1: But or that probably, would, that would be a have, total misreading because he's not I afraid know. of women's thoughts. He's, he just doesn't, he doesn't want well, anybody's he, thoughts except his own. He's
2: like Lovecraft. <laughs> he's like Lovecraft. Lovecraft wasn't just a racist.
1: He was a racist. <laughs> <laughs>
2: like, he also hated everybody. He was yeah. definitely a racist, super racist, definitely racist. Also hated a lot of white people. He was a... Yeah, so Muldewebin is now Lovecraft, basically, with a lot more power and a lot less stomach trouble.
1: <laughs> I love that he... That Clark Ashton Smith made, like, not just... Like, his other settings have been, like, an area of France, an island, and eventually we'll go to Zothique. But this is like a whole universe, and he only uses it for two stories, yeah. and then is like, nah, mm-hmm. I'm going to move on. I'm, I'm going to Maldweb this place. I'm moving on. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I think I've exhausted yeah. this
1: scenario.
2: <laughs> what do you even do with an all-powerful sorcerer?
1: Well, we – We'll, we'll find out in the next to, episode. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God! I'm it. so glad the double shadow was back.
0: <laughs> I really
1: missed you guys.
0: Well, let's find out what else happens with Maldweb next time in the Flower Women.
2: Sorry, guys. I'm gonna divert for a sec. Are we Are we sure he wasn't pulling a Captain Jack and didn't have the knife hidden somewhere else? Yeah, I'm good. Oh
0: yeah. <clears throat> I just missed you guys. <laughs> I've missed my anal storage jokes. <laughs>